So welcome to another show. Uh, today we have Trang Nova on the show, who's a business and life mentor and also an international speaker. So welcome to today's show, Trang. Jivan, thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm I'm really delighted to be here and looking forward to this conversation. Absolutely. Um, I know obviously reading some of your stuff, we share quite a, a few of the same sort of viewpoints in terms of performance, um, making sure that we're not going through any sort of crises. But there's one part that I think that will be great to discuss, and that's your views on imposter syndrome. So what are your views on imposter syndrome? And maybe describe it for those people who don't know what it is. Yeah, for sure. I'll I'll start with that because there are a few different names for imposter syndrome, first of all. Um, so imposter syndrome is can also be called imposter phenomenon. It could also be like fraud syndrome. And it actually describes high achieving individuals who, despite their objective successes, still deal with the feelings and thoughts of doubt and feeling like they are not good enough. And I really wanted to share this definition first up because the, the really interesting thing about this definition is that it highlights high achieving individuals who despite their objective successes. So imposter syndrome is a set of thoughts that creates certain feelings in our body that, you know, we are not good enough, that we're not worthy, that we don't belong, like our successes have been a fluke, that um, we are a fraud and we're going to be like found out and kicked out. And this affects anyone um, of any gender, experience level, professional background, um, and actually affects up to 82% of people. So almost everyone, eight out of 10 people, just over eight out of 10 people experience imposter syndrome throughout their lifetime. Uh, and this is including high achievers, especially high achievers who have a whole host of successes and achievements under their belt, uh, yet still battle with these thoughts and feelings. Yeah, I think it's a, it. I think I, I like how you talked about overachievers because for me, people who are intelligent tend to underestimate their own ability, whereas people who are maybe on the lower end tend to overestimate how good they are, sort of on the Dunning Kruger effect. It's, if you look at yeah. you the spectra, you've got imposter syndrome one end and you've got Dunning Kruger at the other end. How do you? So I've been through imposter syndrome and we'll come on to talk about sort of my experience with this as well. How do you think imposter syndrome can be dealt with? So you've talked about it being high achievers. You've talked about it being something that it's more of an internal psyche issue. How would you suggest mm. that people identify, first of all, that they've got imposter syndrome and how they can maybe overcome imposter syndrome mm. as well? Yeah, good question. And before I answer that, I'd even like to expand on what you said before about the Dunning-Kruger effect. Like, that that is exactly what um, creates that imposter syndrome amongst high achievers, as well as other things as well. Like think about, you know, a lot of the listeners uh, on the show are very likely interested in personal development, interested in improving themselves, or uh, have yeah have some sort of um, yeah like have have a have a life where they like to explore and experience different new things, right? So so us people who like that 
we often find ourselves in locations, in scenarios, and in environments where we're spending a lot of time with other high achievers. We just naturally will attract other high achievers and we'll naturally surround ourselves with others who are challenging us intellectually and psychologically. And then what happens is we may be a really big fish. And if we were in a fish tank, we would easily be the biggest fish in the fish tank. But because we're surrounding ourselves with others who challenge us, who stimulate us, who we look up to, because we want to grow ourselves, we're no longer a fish in a fish tank. We're a fish in the ocean. And we're suddenly comparing ourselves, not with other fish, but like sharks and whales. And suddenly we feel really small. And that is another reason why, um, yeah, high achievers, experience imposter syndrome so frequently and I wanted to touch on that because you know it's almost relieving I think sometimes for people to hear this it's like okay like there's nothing wrong with me for feeling like this I'm not actually doing poorly it's okay you know I'm actually doing all right but these are the reasons why I am experiencing these thoughts and these feelings that I'm not good enough and that I'm not capable and it's normal and it's natural. Yeah, because there's, there's for me, there's there's many other fears. So the fear of failure, the fear of success, um, fear of being judged by others. And I think that mm-hmm. the fear of being judged by others is very intertwined with imposter syndrome. Because for me, it's, it's a case of like, well, I don't think I'm good enough, but I value someone else's opinion more than my own. I love myself more than I love others, yet I'm willing to take their opinion ahead of my own. And it's 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 a case of like, perceiving others through a better lens than you perceive yourself is it low self-esteem low self-image do you overvalue others and undervalue yourself um and it's a case of all navigating all of that so I went through this as well so I've written one book and I'm currently writing I've written my second book writing my third book obviously I've got a podcast I've been on shows and before I did that I thought well actually my intelligent enough or have I got enough of of an opinion to actually put things forward and I love your analogy with moving from um, a a fish in a fish tank to the fish in the ocean everyone who becomes a shark was at one point this little fish this little goldfish that moved into the ocean JK Rowling Mm -hmm. a perfect example I I watched one of her interviews the other day and it was amazing her initial interview she's now obviously multi-millionaire billionaire and she has written these famous Harry Potter books, but she was a no one at some point. So can you talk about how that transition comes from someone who has got this idea, has got this opinion that they want to push forward? How can they actually get that out into the open and look at the maybe long-term success of that opinion? Mm, Yeah, and you're so right. Like, Like writing a book is the perfect example because no one who wants to write a book for the first time, has ever written a book before. Like everyone who becomes an author will need to write a book for the first time in their life. And when you do something for the first time in your life, then it is uncharted territory. Your brain sends off these alarm bells that it is unsafe and it's unfamiliar and that, yeah, like fear of failure, maybe fear of success and what that's actually going to, uh, what that's actually going to demand of us in terms of time and energy and resources and the identity that we might have to leave behind in order to step into this new identity. Um, so it's like this uncharted territory. 
And that's what creates that, you know, feeling of resistance and imposter syndrome of like, oh my God, like, am I ready for this? And I'm standing at the bottom of Mount Everest and I'm looking right up to the top of the summit. And it's like, oh my gosh, how do I get from here to there? It, it just seems so far away. It's so intimidating. But what it comes down to is actually just one step at a time. And I know that this sounds so cliche, but I love the quote, every journey of a thousand miles starts with the first step. And I'm pretty sure that's by Lao Tzu. It, it, is, it is by Lao Tzu. Just that yeah. one step. Yeah. So for you, right, JK Rowling, sitting down and just writing your first sentence. And that is the hardest step for a lot of people because that is going from zero to something. It's a big step versus once you've already taken the first step, then all you need to do is replicate it. You know, take the second step, take the third yeah. step, one foot in front of the other. So the first step is often the hardest. Um, but once you just chip away and do a little bit at a time and see it as not Mount Everest that you want to climb, but rather just putting one foot in front of the other, like yeah. that's all it needs to be. And that's easier said than done. But how I would usually recommend for um, people to do this is at the very start, do set your sights on the top of Mount Everest in that I personally like to have a big vision and a big goal to work towards. That lights me up. Yes, it scares me a lot as well, but it also does light me up and it sets the bar of how high my sights are set. So that is where I start. And I get this like high level visionary dreaming energy from that. Um, and then from there, what I do is I just like let go of that vision. I let go of the top of Mount Everest. And then I turn all of my energy and my focus towards right here, right now, one foot forwards, another foot forwards, another foot forwards. And then that becomes the primary focus. And then when we are only thinking about putting one foot in front of the other, then that's not so intimidating after all. And then, you know, once in a while we look up and we check, are we still going in the right direction? Now, are we still heading towards the summit of Mount Everest? Or have we actually kind of veered off and we're kind of going the other way or we're actually, you know, going in the wrong direction? So once in a while, checking in with the summit of Mount Everest, but not living there every single day that causes us overwhelm and analysis paralysis. So that's what I usually recommend. Um, that's what I do as well is like having awareness of that Mount Everest and the summit as being the end destination, at least for your for your current pursuit that you're on, because we know that there's never one destination, um, having that sights there, but then throughout the days, throughout the weeks, everything is going towards the steps that we're taking. Like we forget about the summit of Everest. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, I love that analogy because it actually falls in line with coming back to the JK Rowling thing. So what she said in that interview, and it's funny that you said that without knowing the context of the interview. So this is when she was she wasn't famous she she'd written her first book um and they were asking her about the 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 series basically and what she said and this is again coming back to your point before you start something you have to finish it in the mind first so a house is built after the architects already designed the house and then you start by putting down the first brick the second brick in in your mm -hmm. mind you have to already look at the summit but then you take it step by step 
what she basically said is that she'd already written the ending of the seventh book before she'd even written three, four, five, and six, because you have to know where you're heading. And going back to your other point as well, that I think is in line with, with that as a great example as well, is that skilled sailors, you would you were just a skilled sailor, wouldn't you? But to to be a skilled sailor, you have to go through choppy seas. And in order to get there, you have to, to go through the choppy seas and the storm for the first time, whether that's sailing, a pilot or an author. And is it a case of having the discipline just to go through that initial barrier that then gets rid of imposter syndrome long term? Because now you can say, oh, I'm an author because I've written my first book, which then you know makes me feel more peaceful. And I'm then more willing to go and write a second, third, fourth, fifth book. Is it that initial mm. exchange with your mind that helps you to navigate that next step? Yeah. I'd say so, right? Like, and and that's the key word as well. It's like it will have navigate, uh, help you navigate to the next step, until you take like a new step into a new uncharted territory, and <laughs> just like is an ongoing thing because we are constantly evolving and growing. But yeah, like it is that initial next step that we just need to push through. And a really um a a really easy way to visualize this, and I'm sure uh, most people can uh, can relate to this, is think about going to a you know a fair or a, a theme park where there are these roller coasters that you might want to go on. And you know when you look at a roller coaster and you're like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go on that roller coaster. I want to conquer it. You get that like bubbliness of excitement and a little bit of adrenaline, and that's cool. Like it's exciting. But then what happens? You know, you line up to go on the roller coaster, you get to the front of the line, and it just always seems to happen that when you get to the front of the line and just the the order and the sequence of how everyone goes, you're actually now sitting at the front of the roller coaster. And you get into your seat and then the operators put on your seatbelt and it just like, I don't know, it always feels a little bit too tight. And then you look ahead and you can see that there's like this big climb and there's going to be a big dip after that. And then now suddenly that excitement, it isn't so much excitement anymore. Now you're like, oh my gosh, should I make the right decision? Should I have gone on this roller coaster? Is it too late to get off the roller coaster now? And that is exactly imposter syndrome. Like it starts with that excitement and that bubble, bubbly energy of wanting to do something that's new, that's a bit of a thrill. And, of course, just before we start that pursuit, we get those thoughts of, oh, am I really ready for this? But then what happens? As soon as this roller coaster starts and we have no way to actually get off the roller coaster now, we're buckled in you know we go up we go down we're like screaming all of those things but then what happens when we when the roller coaster ends when the train comes in and then it like kind of parks and then the operators come and take off your seatbelt and everything how does that feel like nothing feels better right you just want to scream at out at the top of your lungs because you're like I did that I did that. I feel so empowered. I feel so rewarded. That was so much fun. Let's do it again. (laughs) So that is what I kind of uh, relate back to when it comes to that feeling of imposter syndrome. It's like that initial step, right? That initial pushing through. As soon as you get past that, and yes, there's still going to be like ups and downs, just like a roller coaster. 
But at the end, it always feels so good. It feels very empowering. You feel very liberated and and you feel uh, you have this like heightened uh, sense of who you are and what you're capable of. So think of imposter syndrome not as an enemy. It's it's not something to be avoided at any at all costs. It's actually an ally by your side because it's like it's actually a symbol and a sign that you are making a decision to do something that is going to take you forward to a more evolved and progressed version of yourself. It's actually there as a sign that at the end of this journey, you're going to feel liberated. You're going to feel empowered. You're going to have a greater sense of yourself. So that's how I see it. Like I've actually started to just see, and I call her, her, like I call imposter syndrome a her because I want to see her as a companion, you know, as a friend of, yeah, you know, hello, you're there by my side right now. I don't want to push you away and get rid of you, but I'm just going to acknowledge that you're there. I'm going to make peace with you. And then I'm going to take the next steps. Yeah, because I'm currently writing my third book and um, it's about quotes, which is why I knew about the Lao Tzu one. And it's discussing uh-huh. sort of what the quotes mean and, and how we can incorporate the wisdom within those quotes into our own life. So there's two that came to mind when you were talking. One is that when we look back, and again, it might not be exactly word for word, but it's when we look back, the years of struggle will strike us as the most beautiful. Like if we look at any sort of professional athlete, they they always say that the, the years of struggle are the ones that I uh, love most because that's when I developed, that's when I built my character. Another quote that I think falls in line with what you've just said is that where there is the fear, that is there is your task. So when we have the fear of, oh, I don't want to go this way, that's where our task is. That's what we have to do. And we have to do that in order to develop the skills, develop the mental strength and actually learn something along the way when we read books for example we like books where there's a hero and obviously we know about the hero's journey don't we joseph campbell Mm -hmm. we have to go through struggle and come back and the other side like you said with the the roller coaster it's a struggle of going to the roller coaster overcoming that fear and coming back with something like a picture and an experience to say i did that we wouldn't read a book that didn't have challenge and mayhem and uh, something for the characters to overcome that's why lord of the rings is so successful and harry potter and all these other shows because we have to be interested in in that story and what i say to people because obviously i I work as a coach as well so if you like reading those stories and you like last kingdom and saxon stories and all of these things why are you scared to be the hero in your own story and go through these obstacles why are you sitting there working at mcdonald's and having this boring life when you can actually create your own story, yes, you can't change what's gone on, but you can change the ending of your story. What's your thoughts on 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 that? Yeah, I, I love that you bring in the hero's journey because that's exactly it. We we love to read these stories. We're so hooked on Avatar and Harry Potter and The Lion King, and we 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 love to live almost vicariously through these main characters and these heroes. And that's exactly why, because we, deep down inside of us, like we see our own potential and we kind of project that 
into that hero that we are watching like we root for that hero right we're like yes you know when 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 they fall we're like oh no and then when they get through their challenges and rise up at the end we're like yay and we celebrate so we we admire and we look up to these heroes in these books and stories and when it comes to projecting onto others whenever we project uh so whenever we admire someone else the reason we do that is because we look up to those traits that we want for ourselves. So yeah, if if we are rooting for these heroes, which is most of us, then we see that potential within ourselves. Um, but when we don't step into that and we, when we don't actualize that into our reality, that becomes a bit of a mismatch. That becomes misalignment that may cause us to feel these emotions of, you know, disappointment, of frustration, of, you know, even self-loathing. And that is because deep down we want that for ourselves. But due to fear, due to imposter syndrome, due to many other myriad of reasons, we, we don't follow through with that. So listening to this conversation, like maybe this is going to be a bit of an eye opener that this is your truth. You know, you long for this for yourself. And it's the, the path is going to be challenging either way. You know, the hero's journey is designed to be challenging, right? Like when you enter into the new world and you go through like the trials and you go through your the dark cave era and, and death and rebirth part, it is challenging. Not going to you know, sugarcoat it. Um, however, getting to the end of each week, each month, each year and feeling disappointed again, feeling frustrated again, feeling like you, you can't live with yourself because this is the way that you are again. That is also challenging. So which challenge would you rather choose for yourself? I know at least for me, what at least one type of challenge out of those two is temporary. It's a temporary challenge that turns into that feeling at the end of the roller coaster where you're like, woo, like I feel so good about myself. Whereas the other challenge is ongoing. So that is what I tell myself to keep moving forward. That's what I encourage to my clients as well. Um, and yeah, like it's easier said than done in some ways. Like we're talking about this is going to be motivating. Um, but if we keep reminding ourselves of this, if we check in in a daily reflection process or a weekly reflection process, remind ourselves with all of these things, then that is how we can slowly chip away and reframe the way that we see which path just is a no-brainer so that's what I'd recommend yeah I mean it's um I mean you're on a similar boat to me in some respects like you speak on shows you have your own show and there was a point where you started that journey I mean I don't know how many shows you've done now but the first show must have been quite nerve-wracking for you now you're you know you're well established you've done so many shows and you sort of know what you're talking about etc but at that first time was did you go through a huge level of imposter syndrome thinking, do I really know enough to speak on this show? You know, am I going to be judged by others? You know, I haven't got the credentials this other person has. Is that the sort of questions that you were or, or statements you were telling yourself? Or was it a case of, yes, I know enough to speak about this topic. I've done my research. I know this, that and the other. Because for me, the only difference between humans essentially is up here how they speak to themselves the questions they ask themselves 
Um, and are they optimistic or pessimistic in their viewpoint? And that's what's going to determine the behaviour or outcome you're you're after. Mm, yeah. Oh, for sure. And I'm sure you would have experienced the same starting this show, writing your first book, Jeevan. Yeah, like so much. I remember like I used to get almost like sick with anxiety before I ever before any podcast recording whether I was being interviewed or or whether I was interviewing someone else on my podcast I would get like sick with anxiety in that if the podcast recorded was later in the day like that whole day I couldn't even concentrate I couldn't even do anything I'm not sure if you've had that before but yeah it really like it was just a weight that was hanging on my shoulders the whole day um and similar with other things like, you know, in-person speaking gigs, uh, like speaking in front of a group of people, doing stand-up comedy. I did that to improve my speaking skills. So at the start, of course, stand-up comedy was hor- like I was petrified, petrified, wanted to be anywhere but there on stage trying to make other people laugh. So all of these things at the start, yeah, you know, I'd, I'd gone through those stages. I really had to. Um but what I can say, and um, you know, I'm sure that you can experience this. You've experienced this as well. Is the more that I did all of these things, the more podcasts that I did, the more speaking gig engagements that I had, the more stand up comedy um, sets that I did, it just slowly started to fade away. You know that fear, that angry monster in my stomach, like. I just, I I noticed it every single time that I did it, it would be just that little bit softer, not as loud, not as consuming, not as intense. Uh, you know, it, it noticeably just went down incrementally each time I put myself out there until, yeah, now, uh, yeah, it's something that I don't really get nervous for or I don't really question myself for anymore. Um, but it's it's just like anything, right? Like if I were to ask the listeners, would you feel nervous getting in the car to drive to work? And the answer is no, because you do it every day, right? But if I were to ask you, would you feel nervous getting into a helicopter and trying to fly that helicopter? Chances are yes, <laughs> because you've never done it before. And that's the human condition. The more that we do something, the more familiar it becomes, the more safe our brain marks that activity. So (laughs) tying it back to what we've already spoken about, it is about taking that first step. It is about doing the thing for the first time, overcoming that hurdle, getting that out of the way. That's going to be the hardest one. And then as soon as you've done that, all you need to do is to do it one more time and then one more time and then one more time. And each time that fear is going to slowly dissipate. And that is how we expand our threshold of what is normal for us until, yeah, you you become like Tony Robbins and you're on stage in front of 10,000 people and it's just another day. <laughs> and that's cool. That's a cool place to be because if you're there, if you're on stage in front of 10,000 people or if you're Tom Cruise and you're driving off cliffs on a motorbike, if that's just another day for you, then not much is going to phase you. Like it's going to take a lot to phase you when you get to that point. And isn't that a cool place to be? Isn't that a very liberating free place to live your life? 
Yeah, it's it's about getting out of your comfort zone because the more you get out of your comfort zone, the bigger your comfort zone is. So if you use Tom Cruise as an example, he now has within his comfort zone flying off a cliff in a motorbike. So <laughs> yeah. anything within that sort of bubble is very easy for him. But if you're someone who, and I use this example, if, if you never came out of your comfort zone, you'd still be getting breastfed and living in a cot with your, your mum's house. But you had to mm-hmm. come out of your comfort zone and start walking and crawling around and trying things to develop to where you are. But we get to a point where mentally we find it difficult to do that. I mean, if we use the world champion boxer as an example, he's been punched in the face more times than either of us, but he's better than us because he's gone through that those challenges and had those failures along the way. So if there was any sort of, if you could summarise your best advice in in this area for people listening how would you summarize that Mm. in you know quite a a concise but effective manner Mm. to summarize everything that we've spoken about I would say remember that the the thoughts and the feelings of imposter syndrome and you know any doubt any fear it is simply that they are thoughts and they are feelings They're not actually based on any fact. They're not factual, but they are transient uh, emotions passing through your body. They're not there forever. And because of that, see her or him, however you want to see it, as an ally, as an ally along your journey, pointing you in the direction that you are going in the right direction. And you are so close to unlocking that next level of what you are capable of and what is normal for you and what you are and who you are as a person. So see them as an ally, see them as a companion and remember it's not like the the feeling is real, but the actual doubt itself is not real. It's a transient feeling passing through. Love it. So if anyone wants to reach out to you, how can they find where you are whether it's the podcast whether it's reaching you directly sure uh the easiest way will be on instagram that's where i live the most so um, my instagram handle is trang underscore nova that's t-r-a-n-g underscore n-o-v-a um, and then from there, you'll be able to find the links to anything else that I um, offer and I have. And I'm on there every day. So feel free to message me, reach out, and um, I'll be there to respond and we can we can connect. Fantastic. Well, thanks very much again for being on the show, Trang. You've brought some valuable insights. I've learned something, which is always, always good. Um, and thanks again uh, for being on the show. Yeah. Thank you, Jeevan. It's been so much fun. Um, yeah, I love having these conversations. So hopefully it's been valuable for the listeners. Absolutely. Thanks again.